0: Station.
1: Oh, Music City! From 104.5, The Zone. In Nashville, Tennessee, pal, I'm the man. This is Squared Circle Radio. Welcome to the Kevin Owens Show! The latest news and commentary on the world of professional wrestling. They make sure you ain't booty. And now... Squared Circle Radio. The face that runs the place. With your main eventers, Jason Martin, David Reed, and Brandon Haggerty. Well, hello there. Welcome in. Squared Circle Radio, 104.5 The Zone. Glad to have you with us as always. Hope you've enjoyed the weekend that's going to continue. Hope you recognize the importance of the holiday. And as you are on the water, or eating barbecue, or spending time with loved ones, just keep in mind that that freedom was paid for. That freedom was not cheap. And we enjoy that freedom in a way that a lot of other nations don't, including one that Vince McMahon feels the need to continue to take tens of millions of dollars from.
0: Isn't that this Friday? It's the 7th of June. Okay, so it's the next Friday? Yes.
1: This upcoming weekend, we've got a takeover. That's right. I've got a takeover. I'll be in Los Angeles. Taking over L.A. (laughs) David Reed's now with us this morning. Um, uh, what do we say here? Thoughts and prayers for David Reed. Yeah, David and his family right now.
0: Uh, if you've listened, if you've listened to the midday one hundred and eighty, at any point this week, he I think he was in the back half of the week. And if you follow him, follow him on Instagram, you kind of know what he's going through. He's got a lot of back issues right now, in um, a lot of pain, and just you know, just taking the weekend to decompress a little bit and rest and. We totally understand that. And like you said, thoughts and prayers.
1: Yeah. It's been a tough stretch for them. Uh, so keep them, definitely keep them in your thoughts when you're speaking to the Lord. We will talk about Money in the Bank. We'll talk about a lot of things going on in the pro wrestling industry. But something happened last night. Something happened all weekend long in Las Vegas. Double or nothing. Starcast 2. And it ended with a bang last night. Full disclosure, I'm going to be kind of interviewing Brandon to some extent here <laughs> because I was unable to watch the show. I haven't seen it. I hope someday I will get to see it. You have a Fox Sports radio show like in the middle of the night yes. on
0: Sunday. So uh, you Been were actually... Up two hours
1: ago. Yeah.
0: So you're... Not only are you very tired right now, but you haven't seen this show because you were watching and following everything else around sports because Indeed. you had to prepare for a three-hour national radio show.
1: Indeed. So the one thing that I have seen, at least bits and pieces of, I've seen two minutes of the end of Double or Nothing, which didn't surprise me in the least. I know some people thought, well, he's doing a movie. He's not going to be there right. Just like Ronda Rousey was doing a movie last year at the Royal Rumble and clearly wasn't going to show up. Well... Dean Ambrose has reemerged John moxley indeed uh is now a part of all elite uh
0: he is all in uh pun intended there um and that was the perfect way to end this night because i gotta say uh, the finish to Omega and Jericho and just a blanket spoiler alert for the next like two segments here on this show. I thought the the finish uh, to Omega Jericho was flat like I thought. This new finishing move that Jericho's trying out called the Judas Effect, mm-hmm. which is basically just a, it's a basic back elbow. That's exactly what it is. Something that would be the fourth strike in the beginning of a match. Like this thing has no business being a finisher, and yet it finishes Kenny Omega, who we have seen kick out of 14 Rainmakers. Before. Right, right. But yet here's this basic back elbow that can finish the best bout machine. I'm not buying it for a second. So if that would have been the final shot of Double or Nothing, I think this show would have went out on a low note, let's be honest. But having, you know, at the end, Chris Jericho grabs the microphone, calls the fans a bunch of marks, says everything about All Elite is because of me. This television deal that we signed with TNT is because of me. We sold out this building in 12 minutes because of me. And then, you know, Moxley comes through the crowd to just a phenomenal, thunderous ovation. That crowd was great all night. Mm, Yeah. Like, there was no rest period in this. Mm -hmm. The way they stacked the card, like, there was no come-down match at all. And this crowd stayed pretty, pretty energetic the entire time. They went nuts for Moxley. Moxley comes through the crowd, drops Jericho with a DDT, drops the referee with a DDT. And then he and Omega uh, proceed to brawl through the crowd. He throws Omega off the stage. Final uh, shot is him standing tall on a stack of poker chips. Like I, I described it on Twitter as a, a shot across the bow, because that is the way to end this show. Like if you want to establish yourself as an alternative to WWE, as a competitor to WWE, you don't do it by what Cody Rhodes did earlier in the night. By taking a sledgehammer to a Triple H throw. You do it with a former WWE champion. A, a Grand Slam champion, I believe, yes. in WWE. In, yes. in the former Dean Ambrose, now John Moxley. That guy who WWE was so desperate to keep that they gave him the best send-off that they have ever given anybody, quite yep. frankly. Yep. They wanted to keep him that bad. Yep. That guy is now yours, and he's standing tall to end your first pay-per-view. That's the perfect way to end it. Yeah.
1: There is a risk. You know, the first, I mean, you had Jericho, and then you had Omega, and now you have Moxley. The fans need to already figure out that there's not going to be a shock every show. That's one thing that TNA slash Impact did to its detriment is they tried to do that over and over again. You can only do it so many times. There's only so many rabbits you can pull out of the hat. This is a big one. This is the way you should end this show because, and I heard this described this way a couple of times this week, is that this was sort of a preseason game in certain respects, in that...
0: In the commentary booth, it definitely was.
1: (laughs) Just that, look, they're going away until October. and Actually, um... August, August thirty first, all out in Chicago. Okay, that's Labor Day weekend. Okay, well they're going away for a couple months, but they're not on TV. Like well, generally they, speaking, right. they're not on TV. No, to October. You're, you're that's what I, that's the only there. thing I care about at this point. It's like, so what they needed to do was this is the first show that had AEW's name on it. All in was they yeah. didn't have a name. There was no All Elite Wrestling. There was nothing. There was it Cody was and Young Bucks Cody putting together Bucks. a show. And so this was the first one with the logo on it. This is the first one with the branding behind it. And now they have the TNT uh, deal. And they've got Marv Albert saying Jericho on. Come on, Marv. You probably you were around on in NBA circles when Jericho was on WCW, son. Well, what's worse about it is Jericho is not something you should look at. Yeah. and not already know how to pronounce when you first yeah. look at it. Jericho is not point. like a strange spelling. It's not like a word that you've well, never seen before. That's one that that's one you probably should get right. CBS but, had an entire show called Jericho exactly. for a couple seasons. Precisely. It's in the Bible. Like there's there's many exactly. many instances in which Jericho could be used properly, not Jericho as if he's playing for the Golden State Warriors. That's yeah, not Jonas Jerrecho. Exactly. So this was in a like a dress rehearsal kind of show where you want to draw hype but then you're going to go away for a handful of months and so the way you end this is to say oh by the way when we come back this dude's here and so that's how you end it because now you step aside and people can start to wonder what's going to happen because the truth of the matter is much of last night's show even though I didn't see it I can tell you isn't going to relate to the TV at all These are matches that aren't necessarily going to turn into feuds. A couple of things will.
0: And a lot of the matches, like, let's be honest, are with talent that you might not see again. Right. Like, you know, they had the Joshi uh, six-woman tag match, which I'm not sure any of those six women are going to be on AEW's roster uh, from week to week when they get on television in the fall. You know, they brought in the, uh, is it, OWE from the the Chinese uh, promotion in the opener, six-man against uh, SoCal Uncensored. You're not going to see those three.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, that's... So, you wanted to put together a great wrestling show for the hardcore fans in attendance because that's your audience. That's who's going to go to Vegas. That's who's going to StarCast, which is Comic-Con for pro wrestling. And congrats to Conrad Thompson and all of them for putting that together. I yeah, watched a little huge, bit of that. Some
0: huge curveballs thrown at him
1: pretty yeah. late in the process. I mean, the and the flare thought, thing, obviously, is a big deal. Um, losing The Undertaker and all of that stuff Kurt a couple Angle. of months ago, losing Kurt Angle. But what I saw, I enjoyed. Um, the coverage and the quality of it was a lot better than some would expect. I thought it was very well executed, but that audience was going to expect to be entertained. And WWE is really the only promotion in the world that does the roller coaster booking style of a show. Usually, it just gets better and better and better and better and better, and then it's over. WWE they give you Brock and Seth in the first match, then they give you nothing for a couple of matches, then they bring you back up and bring you because they feel like they need to do this. And I used to believe in the roller coaster ride, and maybe it's just WWE hasn't been good enough with it to make it work. But New Japan will go and they'll do a five hour show, and the last five will all be all star caliber matches. Building off and the intensity just doesn't stop and the fans then have a reason to be excited because they have something to look forward to the thing about WWE is because of the way that they structure their match order you don't know what you have to look forward to in what order and you don't know what's going to happen like before the main event you generally know well we're going to get something useless here that's not necessarily a great strategy anymore maybe it was at one point but now it's a way to kill your crowd potentially, especially when your shows are too long, which WWE certainly can can handle. But you told me before we were going on that and that basically, look, that show just kept on going up the cliff, like it was going higher and higher and higher up the mountain. The most important stuff was all at the end. Yeah, the it got better as it went along. The last uh,
0: the last three matches were the three most important matches. The ones uh, that had basically carried. The promotion of this show; those were the last three matches of the night. Now they did have a, a, a six-man opener uh, with SoCal Uncensored, and, and as I mentioned before, the uh, the people from the from OWE—I could be getting that totally wrong—but the Chinese promotion yeah. uh, that they have partnered with, and that was sort of your kind of typical hot opener, with a lot of spots to get the crowd. Um, energized Mm -hmm. and so from that end that made a lot of sense it's basically the old you know wcw rule of opening with the cruiserweights and i left that match just completely impressed with scorpio sky Mm -hmm. who is not a guy that i was super familiar with coming in i think he was sort of the star of that match did a lot of great things um and yeah that sort of got the show off to a pretty nice high and this crowd was great like I know, just as you mentioned, it was a hardcore fan crowd who was pretty much going to cheer anything you put in front of them. But there was no, you know, dead
1: spots. There was no Shane McMahon and Miz, right, in a cage for 24 minutes, and Shane winning because he slips out of his shirt. That was something. I don't know. It was I. I know. I, I know it was not something good. When we come back, I will continue to. Uh, Ask Brendan what he thought what some of the best stuff was last night. Then we need to start looking at some of the stuff that maybe didn't work and what this does to the wrestling landscape. And guess what? There's a 24-7 championship in WWE to discuss. It looks like a
0: diner sign.
1: It looks awful. It looks absolutely dreadful. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about Saudi Arabia. A lot of respect going to Kevin Owens. That we're going to talk about on this show, lot to get to. Stick with us. You can tweet us at Zone Wrestling. We'll be right back. Let me come. Let me come. Let me come. Let me come. Let me, come, let me come. Welcome back, Square Circle Radio, rolling right along here on a Sunday morning in the Music City. It's going to be another warm one, over ninety degrees. We talk pro wrestling here. We're on Twitter at Zone Wrestling. Brandon Hagney is at Hag Haney. I am at J Mart Zone, And I have broken the Gatlinburg streak. Two weeks in a row, one host on this show. David, two weeks ago, was in Gatlinburg. I was
0: in Gatlinburg last weekend. You're not in Gatlinburg
1: yet. Could have been. Maybe next year, right? Actually, no, maybe about it. It's just a question of if it will be that long. But... So double or nothing seemed to be a success. We'll see how many people bought it. I questioned last week the price point; it was awfully high. Yeah, it was fifty bucks, and, and HD was sixty. If you had to, if you didn't get it through BR Live, yeah, I did get it through BR Live, so I, I just paid fifty.
0: Um, I don't mind that price point because I imagine we're not getting every month pay per views. Well, right, all elite moving forward. Like if you're getting, if you're doing four or five. Sure. And it does to a certain extent kind of bring back the idea of okay, here's let's get four or five friends together who like professional wrestling to throw
1: in ten bucks. Yeah. And that that argument was made by some of our listeners on Twitter and it's it's a very good point. So I didn't mind like listen, it, it it it
0: is a bit of a sticker shock after what, four or five years now, almost you know, almost five years now of paying 9.99 for the WWE network. But if you're getting that quality of show like once a quarter,
1: I'll pay 50 bucks. Mm. So what was the most quality from your perspective? The Rhodes the match.
0: The Rhodes match if I know Jonathan Hutton in our group text last night was kind of telling me um tell me what I need to go seek out. Right. Because he's, you know, he's celebrating his birthday up in the mountains yeah. as well. Um, and basically, the answer to that, if you have to watch one thing, it's the Rhodes match. Because we talk a lot on this show about commentary mm-hmm. and how commentary, if it's good, can highlight, accentuate, and actually raise up the product in the ring. I had a lot of issues with commentary last night especially in the pre-show and the first couple of matches of the main card, they just straight up weren't good. Mm-hmm. I, I did think they hit a bit of a stride later in the show. And, and let's be honest, I'm not sure how many rehearsals they did with these three guys, Alex Marvez, Excalibur, and Jim Ross. took them over for
1: like two or three days. But like I kept seeing Ross tweeting about it, but Marvez never told me, not that I talked to him that often, but he never told me yeah, I'm disappearing for five days to go into a bunker and yeah, I mean I, I don't know how much time because Marvez was still doing a whole lot of radio hits, still doing right. all of his NFL stuff. Like there was a lot going on.
0: And to be honest, this was the first night where the lights were on for them, right? Like even you could have done fifteen rehearsal shows before this, but you know things get things get a little more more difficult when things are finally live. Mm-hmm. Like heck, I can formulate a thought outside of this studio all day and then come in here and just turn to mush when the microphone is on. Sure. Like, everybody has gone through that. Absolutely. But Jim Ross, this, first off, this Rhodes match was a, a pace of match that was sort of slow, slower than what we saw for the rest of the night. Mm-hmm. It was completely different style of match from what we had had previous and after, which I thought was a, a good thing. And Jim Ross, at this point in his career these are the matches he can still knock out of the park. Like when you have... Obviously, he's very familiar with the two competitors, Cody Rhodes and Dustin Rhodes. That sort of... That style of match where he's not having to call, you know, 15 spots right after another... One after another. Where he can get over the emotion of the match. Where he can get over the story of the match. I thought he was great during this Rhodes match. And it was... If you were wondering how All Elite was going to differentiate themselves, well, one of the, way they're, one of the ways they're going to do it is blood's back. Mm. And if ever you were going to have a match, you, you can't just have blood for blood's sake. Right. Like Omega and Jericho had blood, but it was because Omega, I think, broke his nose yeah. during that match.
1: The shot I looked at, that would be the indicator, yes. Yeah, he
0: didn't. That, that was not a bleed job. But if you were going to have blood, it was going to be during this Rhodes match. And they had plenty of it. Like, Dustin bladed a
1: little deep. Well, it seems like, from what I read, I'm not saying from reports, but just like the reaction to it, I'm just going to ask this question, and you can give me your opinion based on watching it. If you're Dustin, do you retire after that one? No, you don't. Um...
0: Because they they basically set up his next match right at the end. Like I know you didn't see the match, but um, it looked like we were going to sort of get a, a curtain call moment with Dustin and and Cody's walking up the ramp, and then he turns around, comes back in the ring, grabs a microphone, and says, "You don't get to retire here. You don't get this moment." And then he talks about you know, they have a sh- they have a show called Fight for the Fallen uh, coming up in Jacksonville. I believe it's like July thirteenth, mm-hmm. second second Saturday in July. And he says, you know, I signed a contract for that show. And the contract, the match that I signed on for, was myself and a partner of my choosing
1: against the Young Bucks. So it was him and so they're going to going to be It's going to be him and Dustin. And I would so imagine that might be, that the, last might be the last one.
0: Okay. okay. But it was actually a really cool moment. You know, he says, like, I don't need a partner. I don't need a friend. I need a brother. And you could see Cody, like, actually tearing up.
1: Keep in mind here, these guys...
0: They basically sort of did a 2019 version of The View Never Changes Well, at the end of that
1: match. These two guys desperately wanted to do this match in WWE. Oh, yeah. They tried so hard to do this at Mania or to get a real opportunity to do this. Vince had no interest. He never gave them the opportunity. I think it was probably this more than anything else that led to Cody bouncing. I think this is where he got real disillusioned with what was going on. And so you watch the storytelling and you talk about the announcing and the way that they did this. Personal issues are real easy to sell when it's old school guys that know how to talk, that know how to sell you into the building before they ever even lock up and have that extra little something. And so past that, this is just another opportunity where if you work for WWE and you're not Vince McMahon, you're watching this like, we could have done some real business here. But you didn't. And as a result, AEW is able to go out there and do something like this. And it's interesting that it, at all in, Cody and Nick Aldis had a very, it's an older style match. Aldis didn't like us calling it old school when we interviewed him. It was just, a, the, it was a storytelling match. And it was great. And Cody got over like gangbusters, like huge on that show. And you just think about where he was and where he's come to. And then there he is again last night. And you say, what's the highlight? Well, it was him and Dustin Rhodes. It wasn't Kenny Omega. It wasn't Chris Jericho. It wasn't the Young Bucks. It wasn't, you know, whatever else was going to be on that card. It was Cody Rhodes and Dustin Rhodes having a personal issue kind of match. Two guys that have wanted to have it. And finally, because Cody has the stroke, now they can just go out there and have what they could never have in WWE. And And that's that's a good thing.
0: That's not to denigrate those other matches. No, not at all. No,
1: I, I know what you're saying. You
0: know, emotional storytelling is still, to me, the best part of professional wrestling. Like, we could talk about all day about, you know, moves and spots and that kind of thing. But, you know, at the end of the day, at least for me as a fan, what would get me into the building more so than anything is going to be good storytelling. Mm hmm. And the fact that they built, obviously, there's a lot of backstory with Dustin versus Cody. Like, you don't really have to build that match. You can just sort of book it and say it's going to happen at Double or Nothing. But the promotional uh, sort of job that they did around this match, the videos that they made, the promos that both Dustin and Cody recorded and put out on Twitter and, and YouTube, Like Some of the better things that we've seen in the last few years in professional wrestling, that
1: those promos were legitimately great. So, there was a lot of very good things on this show. The Battle Royal was not one of them from every indicator that I saw. And... I didn't think it was going to be a fit. It didn't seem to make sense on its surface to me because it was a job that this guy had never done before on any level, to my knowledge. Um, I mean, I think I had done it on a bigger level than he did last night. I think he's going to be incredibly valuable to them in various capacities. But when I first heard about Marvez, I didn't think Booth. I thought maybe backstage interviewer. Like somebody like a Borash or somebody Backstays like that.
0: interviewer or maybe just, you know.
1: I mean, obviously, he could write for the website. Exactly. He could do a lot of those. And yeah. I even thought about reaching out to him and say, hey, do you want somebody to, do you need somebody to write? Maybe that's something I could help you with. But, like, it didn't seem to make sense. And obviously, I didn't hear it. But based on what you told me right before we started the show, didn't seem like it worked. I didn't think it worked at all.
0: And that, that's not to denigrate Alex Marvez as a person because, you know, every indication that you've given me and we've, you know... He's a great guy. Great guy. You know, I remember when we've hosted a couple of episodes of the Midday 180, he's come on with us. He seems mm-hmm. like a tremendous guy. Um, I thought he was extremely nervous during the pre-show. He was very quiet. Like, there was not a lot of energy. Like, when he did talk, he was, he was very, you know, his volume was very low. And he, he, he kind of got used as a color commentator a little bit, like the main color commentator a little bit during the pre-show where Excalibur is the one calling the play-by-play and looking to Alex Marvez uh, for analysis. And it just wasn't coming. And then when the main show started, Alex Marvez basically became pitch man. So basically he was Don West
1: with no energy.
0: Don West with no energy because like once the, once the show actually started, He was the one every time. I I felt like 85-90% of what Alex Marvez was saying during the main card was hashtag AEWDON is the number one trend in the UK. Or, you know, we've got Fighter Fest coming up at the end of June in Daytona Beach. Get your tickets at com. Like, that's basically what he said for the rest of the night. Like, that was his role.
1: I wonder if... Somebody got in his ear. It's just like, hey, let's just back you off a little bit, because I know it's a big night, and let's just let's ease you into this thing and let you do this. And maybe he'll he'll get his sea legs underneath him. I don't know if he gets the opportunity to to do more, which you don't know if that's going to happen or not. But you 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 mentioned to me also that you know Jim Ross got lost at a couple of spots. Like, I mean, it was. In a lot of respects, it was kind of a dress rehearsal. It's, like I said, it's the first one that had the AEW branding behind it. It was one where they needed to iron out some kinks, figure out some things from a production standpoint. The like two minutes of video I saw, it looked good. Yeah, it that, had a good sort of almost a rust, almost a WCW feel to like, the lighting.
0: I would probably give like the production element uh, outside of commentary. I'd probably give it somewhere around like a, a C plus B mm-hmm. minus ish. There were some issues with camera cuts. Like one of the things that we complain all the time about with WWE. is overly cutting. Overly cutting to like crowd shots when they don't. There was a couple of times where like they just straight up missed spots because they were at the wrong camera. Right. And I mean, once again, for for the people in the production truck, it's their first night too. And so I don't think we can really like straight up judge what this production is going to look like off of one night. But overall, yeah, look, it was lit pretty well. They had the old uh, TNA Impact entrance tunnels on the stage, which uh, was an interesting choice.
1: Yeah, I don't know if I would have done that. I don't think I'd want to connote anything that reminded.
0: I mean, I don't think it act, It didn't take away from what was happening. you don't
1: need happening. a tunnel.
0: Yeah, you probably don't need a
1: tunnel. You don't need a tunnel. But, you know what else you don't need? 24-7 title. Yeah. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about Money in the Bank. We'll see if there's more that needs to be cleaned up about AEW, which, of course, is going to become a major topic on this show, especially as television approaches and more things happen. And there'll be things, I'm sure, that will come out of this show that we'll talk about in the coming weeks as well. Tweet us at Zone Wrestling. We'll be right back. back square circle radio what's up brandon hagney with me i'm jason martin what's up nashville (laughs) David reed convalescent with you buddy our truth took a little bit last night on twitter i saw that exchange it was brief look 24 7 title we're about to rip it because it deserves to be ripped based on the way it was unveiled But what we will never do on this program and what you should never do as a pro wrestling fan is speak ill of the name of Ron Killings as it relates to pro wrestling. Because one, he's good in the ring. Two, he has had an amazingly long career. Three, he does whatever they tell him to do to the best of his ability every time. Or guy, he can make bad stuff entertaining.
0: That's exactly what I was about to say. This guy has made a career over the last six, seven years especially of making chicken salad at a chicken bleat.
1: Yeah. And so now he's doing it again. And, of course, they put it on him because they know he can actually carry this. So the 24-7 title, the same week as AEW does this thing. And, man, AEW might be my last hope especially with Saudi Arabia and all of this nonsense that we'll talk about here in just a second. AEW might be my last hope to still like be a wrestling fan in a couple of years or to care at all of what's going on. But the 24 seven title fully unveils. It doesn't call it the hardcore title. It's not that old belt, which I think people might've liked a little bit better. This thing looks like it came out of a Cracker Jack box. It you're right. It looks like an old diner sign. It kind of does. It looks terrible. And the most amazing thing about it is it wasn't one; It was whoever could get to the ring and get it first. It was reverse battle royal from TNA happening right in front of us on Raw. And so Titus O'Neil got it, and then Bobby Roode rolled him up on the top. Pardon me. Robert Roode rolled him up on the top of the ramp, and then Robert Roode lost it to Archers. There was no possible way to make this less important than by the names of the people that came out trying to get it. And in the back, at one point, Robert Roode walked past Baron Corbin and Bobby Lashley in the back. And he like kind of recoils back because he's afraid that one of them's going to go after him. Neither one of them made a move towards the champion in a 24-7 title. Corbin and Lashley are above this title. If you are competing for this title, you mean nothing. That means they have nothing for you. you That's mean, what the title is. We ain't got nothing for you, bro. That's what the title should be called. You mean less than Baron Corbin. Zero creative. Which is a, a very
0: not great place to be. Um, at the same time, yeah, like our truth is the perfect person to have this championship on, and I know he's probably going to lose it soon, and I am going to be sad when he does because that is the only thing that's keeping this even remotely entertaining, uh, even remotely intriguing, is because like our truth is carrying
1: that load right now, now. If they did the DDT thing, the DDT pro and like a referee held it, yeah, like son, the uh, and a cat, a cat won it because it fell asleep. Or Dude. the guy fell asleep and the cat fell asleep on the guy and then a referee just magically appeared and counted three yeah, like and a the cat heavy, was the champion. The heavy
0: metalweight championship or whatever yeah. it's called over in DDT in Japan uh, where I think a ladder has held that championship before. It's been it's, it's been one in a dream. It's changed hands in a dream. Yeah. Like, I don't th- ever see WWE going that goofy, but they probably should because, you know, I think even like professional wrestler writer uh Brandon Stroud of Up was a DDT champion. Oh, really? Yes. He actually posted the video uh, once this uh, this championship was unveiled on Monday, and he was like, "This reminds me that I'm a former, you know, heavy metal weight champion in DDT." Wow.
1: I mean, if you're gonna do something this dumb, it should be as preposterous as humanly possible.
0: Well, and and the way that this thing came about, if you believe the reporting surrounding it, is a pretty ridiculous place too. Like basically, USA is spitballing ideas to Vince McMahon to try to get ratings up, and this was the least terrible idea they had. And Vince, can McMahon, we
1: please see the rest of the
0: list? Because I mean, Vince McMahon apparently thought that he could not just ignore them because they're not they're not in a great place no, ratings-wise right now. No, they they're are not. not exactly in a position to be ignoring what their network that's paying them hundreds of millions of dollars says to them. This 24-7 championship was an idea
1: born uh, from USA, and it was the least terrible of their ideas. Did you hear Foley describe it as hour number three every Monday is well, now going to be Raw? It's the 24-7 championship. Well, that's the thing. Like, I, don't, I don't know what he really meant by that comment. Is that when they're going to show all the footage of it?
0: Well, like hour three is supposed to now be the Raw the rawest of the
1: hour. Well, I mean...
0: And, like, right right. as he says that, they dimmed the lights slightly in the arena.
1: And the screen no longer showed, like, it wasn't a camera shot, it was just the word raw, so So everything looked darker.
0: So that's supposed to differentiate... Uh, hour three of raw from the first two hours like this the this, this is what's going to get people tuning in to the third hour of raw instead of the mass exodus that we see each and every week on monday nights the 24-7 championship and slightly dimming the lights
1: yeah they're in trouble man they're in so much trouble and so what's amazing is sunday's money in the bank show actually was pretty good i liked a lot of that show best main roster match of the year by far with aj and seth i think. I think it was better than Kofi and Daniel Bryan um, with no disrespect to that match at all. I thought that the men's money in the bank match was really entertaining. And I thought the women's money in the bank match was better than expected. The Bailey cash-in really worked. Crowd was totally behind her. So, I mean, a lot of that show clicked. Samoa Joe and Ray got cut off because Samoa Joe's nose got broken and they didn't know what else to do, so they went home. And didn't do it very well with the official. But the Brock Lesnar deal at the end of the show, as it happened, I was like, cool, that's a nice surprise. I, I didn't see it coming. And we got him with the boombox with the money in the bank that briefcase. Was, that the next was legitimately day. good. I love it. I've got that saved on my phone probably forever. But then I started to think about it. I, within about an hour of actually watching the show, I, I realized that was terrible because. It has nothing to do with all the guys that took the risks. None of them won. I mean, it's a work. Whatever. We saw what they did. It's not like the stuff they did just goes away. The problem is Brock was going to get this shot in Saudi Arabia anyway. He already had the date. Like it was already set. It was going to be him and Seth. It's been known for, it's been known inside for about seven, eight weeks at least. And so you're putting it on the briefcase and tomorrow night on television, he's just going to come out and challenge Seth for. Whatever, Super Showdown in Jeddah. And so within two weeks of money in the bank, there are zero briefcases left. And you put it on a guy who would have been really perfect to have taken that thing home for about six months and we not see him. Just forget about it until he cashes in. Well, not even forget. It's just like they could have easily just sold Seth always looking around. They could have made little veiled moments and then stopped talking about it for about two months. And he could have shown up at SummerSlam or Survivor Series. Heyman could show up and tease it every once in a... They could have had so much fun with it because he did he's... on Tuesday with Kofi. Right. So, like, so many... They could have had so much fun with it because he's not a regular. But instead, no, it's just part of the Saudi Arabia deal that's blood money for WWE that they're just going to continue to take. And I'm just, like, that's, waste. that's the one
0: thing that I'm so... T- like, put aside every all of our issues with the Saudi Arabia show and, and they are plentiful. One of the issues that I have is WWE tying up so much of their television, tying up so much of their finishes of pay-per-views, tying up all of this promotional muscle that could be going towards a pay-per-view that actually matters for a glorified house show. Like every time we do one of these Saudi You mean a show that's shows, supposed
1: to be bigger than WrestleMania? What does that even mean? Is it going to be means- 9 hours? No, it means that they paid for that line to be said.
0: My my problem is like
1: the WWE's just gonna paid that line.
0: like I don't think any I don't th- really think any title of significance is gonna change hands unless they pay for it at Saudi Arabia unless they pay for it. But like they did this huge Royal Rumble thing the first time around, the greatest Royal yep. Rumble that Braun Strowman won and won a championship for it, mm-hmm. uh, that green leather yep. championship. It's now the twenty four seven title. Probably, but that green that that green leather championship that he won for winning the Greatest Royal Rumble that was never shown again. Yep, like that's what's going on with these Saudi Arabia shows that they're glorified house shows that have they're, pretty much after that show was over, it has no bearing on what they do moving forward. But for the three weeks before the mat
1: before that show, everything surrounds that show, including Dolph Ziggler coming back and the reason he came back. Is because Kevin Owens said, no, and I'm Daniel not Bryan. going. And Daniel Bryan said, no, I'm not going. And so they brought Dolph Ziggler back.
0: From whatever two-bit comedy club Caroline's in Sacramento. In New
1: York or whatever it was he was doing. He shows back up and cuts the same Dolph Ziggler promo we've always heard. You don't respect me. I'm better. I'm you know, All this kind of stuff. Should have been me. I thought the attack was good. Then he opened his mouth. I'm like, oh, he's the same guy. Oh, well.
0: He put a slightly different tone on
1: it. Oh, Yeah, he still ended up screaming. And I think the match will be good. But if you were going to do something with Dolph, bringing him back now just to put him in Saudi Arabia to give Kofi an opponent, I mean... And he probably
0: goes away after this and goes and continues to do his comedy.
1: I, I mean, probably. But Kevin Owens saying no. Sammy's not allowed still because he's Syrian descent. Alistair Black not allowed because of his tattoos. Tattoo. And then this, and Bruce Mitchell of PW Torch wrote this, and I mentioned this on the Big Six a couple of days ago, and we'll get a break and we'll come back. I had not even thought about it. Goldberg against The Undertaker in the Middle East is a Jewish man against the embodiment of death taking place in the Middle East. I had not even thought about that, but then he said, so there can't be a finish in this match, so here's what's going to happen. They're going to go out there like they're going to wrestle and then two heels are going to come out and say, you two old farts and nobody wants to see you wrestle anyway. And then Is that how Baron Corbin
0: up. gets on this card?
1: No, Baron Corbin's going to work AJ. Oh, okay, um, It'll be like Cesaro and Sheamus or somebody like that. And they'll go bump for Goldberg and The Undertaker for two minutes and that will be your match because they can't let a Jewish man lose in the Middle East and The Undertaker ain't going under. Why would he do that? Such a bait and switch, man! It's total bait and switch. So stupid. Be right back. This is squared. Squared Circle Radio finishing up here on this Sunday morning. Almost June, not quite June. Feels like June though feels like august it does david reed back next week brandon Hagney. with me i'm jason martin i'll be out next week nxt takeover in that hotbed of pro wrestling bridgeport connecticut thought
0: it was gonna be atlanta
1: could have been in atlanta not that you would be there Yeah, a good point in la but i would have been five matches on the card that's refreshing every time you see it it's refreshing Matt Riddle and Roderick Strong will tear the house down. You can just go ahead and pencil that one in. Velveteen Dream versus Tyler Breeze for the NXT North American Championship. I bet Tyler Breeze will not have had more fun in a wrestling ring in years. Since the last time <laughs> he
0: was in an NXT Exactly ring.
1: right. Since he had that match at TakeOver Brooklyn against Jushin Thunder Liger. Oni Larkin and Danny Birch versus the Street Profits. That's Angelo Dawkins and Montez Ford. Versus Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish, the Undisputed Era. Versus the Forgotten Sons, Wesley Blake and Steve Cutler in a ladder match for the vacant NXT Tag Team Championship. That's
0: going to be a great match. Because you put that many talented guys in a ring with a ladder, it's going to be really good. The problem is I have zero clue who's going to win that. Because obviously the two two most important guys in that match are O'Reilly and Fish. Yeah. But they've been tag champions before. And we're sort of running with this uh, future um, breakup thing with the Undisputed Era. I don't think they win. I, I'm just not super sure who does. Lorkin and Birch? I can honestly see it being the Street Profit. Well, maybe. Could be. Anyone but the Forgotten Sons.
1: Shayna Baszler and Io Shirai should be good. Should be. Yep. Yeah. Be a time you could take the title off of Shayna Baszler, but if you're not going to move her up, and probably keep it on her until she leaves. Uh, and then Gargano and Cole again. And so the over-under on kickouts in this match it's going to be is a, in the hundreds. Set, set that at 99 and a half.
0: Um, <laughs> Taking the I'm over. not really sure why you would do this match coming off of a two out of three falls match at uh, TakeOver New York. WrestleMania weekend. Yeah. Like it feels like you would have flip flopped that a bit. Yeah. Like a two out of three falls match is sort of a blow off match to continue that within just a singles match. It's almost like they thought Gargano
1: was going up and Vince changed his mind. And that was going to be like, maybe that's the case, but yeah. I mean, it's possible at least. But those are five matches. I'm sure all of that show will be good. It'll be two hours and 40 minutes or so. It'll be. Exactly what takeover shows are, except it'll be in Bridgeport, Connecticut.
0: It'll be two uh, weekends in a row where you feel good about being a professional wrestling fan. Yeah. And that, that can,
1: that can certainly be a fleeting thing these days. Last night was all about double or nothing. It was about AEW trying to make a statement. And the statement was John Moxley. There's no question about that. Everything else on that card knew it. They knew they had to deliver. I always thought Moxley was going to be there. I had heard reports maybe not and then there was some then there was some thought and maybe there is some truth to the idea of this that maybe you have him show up on your first TV as opposed to on this show but if he shows up now people will know he's going to be on the first TV and so you can go ahead and plan for all of that those that thought CM Punk was going to be there he was not but he, doesn't yeah, mean he that doing, he might not be but he was doing MMA commentary
0: I believe He was doing MMA commentary and quite frankly, it wouldn't be the worst idea in the world. Like if CM Punk doesn't want to work anymore, he doesn't want to be a professional wrestler anymore,
1: commentator for offering AEW a commentator job. Yeah. He would be He would be all-time great at that, I think. He's
0: already he already had a bit of a run yeah. in WWE. He was, a, uh, he was
1: fantastic at that.
0: He was doing the NXT shows, I think with uh Crap, I forgot the guy's name. Who's, who's the guy that went from uh, WWE to TNA?
1: Woresh? No. That was the other way around. Yeah. We were there when you
0: saw him in TNA. I'm not sure. The guy that we're not... Josh Matthews. Oh, right. Um, he, did a, uh, he did a stint as NXT commentator back when NXT was a competition show with Josh Matthews. It was actually very entertaining.
1: So how do you go from double or nothing watching that last night to being excited for Raw and SmackDown this week?
0: Well, I mean, I'm never I'm not really excited for Raw or SmackDown pretty much any week. So I mean I don't know that the feeling changes.
1: It was not a bad week for wrestling when it comes to Money in the Bank was a solid show. TV was not very good. Smackdown's okay. Raw was not very good, I didn't think. And then double or nothing, it seemed like that was a successful way to finish the week. And if you didn't see Starcast, there's a lot there to watch. And it's again Conrad deserves a lot of credit. I don't know how, but now they're doing an Arn Anderson podcast starting this summer. I don't know how Conrad can continue. Like, there's only so many days in the week. We already have four of them releasing a week. Like,
0: what what uh, what material
1: are we covering with Arn Anderson? I would assume sort of cover all of it. I mean, he's he would be great. I mean, all the stuff he's done as an agent and how long he's been there. Well, right, isn't that kind of
0: what you're doing with Jim Ross?
1: Yeah, but you also have r and as part of the Horsemen. Those stories are huge as well. We will continue to talk pro wrestling.